Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. Um, here at Jew in the City, we like to um, present all the good news there is about Orthodox Jews, Orthodox Jews doing things outside the box. Um, and when we hear bad news about the Orthodox community, we like to um, disavow, you know, bad actors within the community. Um, you know, Kiddush Hashem sometimes means speaking out against Achil Hashem. Um, part of our work sort of through the years as we've doing a lot of highlighting of the positive has been um, confronting some of the negative exists. Obviously no community is perfect. Um, and when you go out to the world to tell the world how great Orthodox Jews and Judaism is, um, you are likely to hear from the people that had different experiences. Um, and so that has kind of turned our work into, you know, kind of getting a little bit broader and recognizing some of the challenges that exist. And then also even within the challenges, looking for good news within the challenges, looking for um, you know, changes in the right direction. Uh, when it comes to the members of Project Makom, which is our division um, that helps former and questioning Haredi Jews find their place in orthodoxy, uh, for a lot of them that, you know, they felt failed by their individual homes or school situations or kind of the small circle they lived in, um, we try to show them other um, avenues within the firm world, sometimes even slightly different than where they grew up, but just to show them a healthy version of it, a, a more open version of it. Um, and they also appreciate as we show them um, how some of the things that they suffered through, some of the challenges that um, were part of their lives, that we can be a part of um, creating change, publicizing change, uh, letting people know the good things that are happening. Uh, something in that has been in the news a lot over the last few years has been the subject of um, secular education um, and Haredi uh, schools, particularly um, for boys. Um, you know, the Orthodox world is a diverse place. And so the circles that I swim in, you know, we prepare our children to be able to get um, college degrees, advanced degrees, go to top universities should they choose. Um, I mean, the truth is that it could even be too much pressure in some cases um, to excel uh, scholastically. Um, on the other end of the spectrum um, are schools that provide um, essentially no or little to no secular education. Um, and so over the years, there have been different efforts within the community to try to answer um, that call or you know, deal with the fact that um, in parts of the Orthodox world, boys especially are receiving less secular education. Um, and today's uh, guest is someone who I actually met many years ago um, in a different program that I was involved with, and uh, I reconnected with him recently, and I would love to speak about the work that he's doing over at the Yeshiva at IDT um, with a special program for um, guys coming from the Hasidic world, um, offering them both a uh, Jewish education um, and uh, college education. Um, and it is my delight to uh, welcome Rabbi Shmuelskis uh, to join us today. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, uh, one, uh, one quick correction. Our, actually, our, yeah. our program is not explicitly and only, or I should say exclusively for uh, Hasidic, the Hasidic community. However, we have uh, very successfully integrated many Hasidic students over the last uh, 19 years that we've been in existence. So um, we, we definitely feel very comfortable with working with uh, you know, people who are coming from that community. 
Got it. Okay, so can you tell us um, a little bit about how the yeshiva, you know, I've known about IDT uh, for years. I read Howard, jo Howard Jonas's book years ago um, as a fellow entrepreneur, social entrepreneur. I was always a huge fan of, you know, of his. Um, and I knew that this yeshiva there existed, but only recently. Um, and I think because, um, you know, we're thinking about ways to you know, work with some of these challenges in the community, some of the people that are feeling like their needs are not being met. Um, I found out that, you know, this is part of what you're doing. So 19 years ago, um, the yeshiva at, at uh, IDT was founded. What was it founded for? What was it founded to do? So, well, it's interesting. Uh, you know, Howard has, uh, Howard Jonas, the uh, founder and the chairman of, of IDT, um, has uh, always wanted Torah to be a part of what goes on in his work environment. And uh, there was actually a, a, a another iteration of the yeshiva that existed before us. Um, and uh, we have tried various programs over the year trying to accommodate the needs of the community. So uh, for the last uh, 10 years, it's really been focused on helping guys get college degrees, maybe even 15 years, helping guys get college degrees in the afternoon. Uh, early on, there was a lot of IT work going on. And interestingly, we've sort of come full circle and that most of our students right now are getting a degree in cybersecurity. So mm -hmm. we're back in, in, uh, in the IT realm. But uh, the idea is the idea for us always was that there are going to be students coming out of the yeshiva system, whether it's Hasidish or yeshivish, who are not either either not adequately prepared to go into college classes and, and take college classes or they just don't want to be in that environment. Uh, and for some of them, even uh, options like YU or Turo were not options for them. Mm -hmm. So uh, we would uh, help them. For a long time, we had live classes uh, with teachers. We had a, a, a association with a local, with Essex Community College, and we would have their professors uh, come in. And uh, recently, in the last five years, we've moved more to an online model. Uh, and what we do is we provide uh, resources. I mean, Quite honestly, it's a small yeshiva, and I provide a lot of the resources myself. I sit uh, with students in the afternoons and work with them on their assignments, help them with their writing skills. I'm not—I don't know cybersecurity, but I do know how to write a paper, so mm -hmm. I can sit and help uh, help them with their assignments. And um, all of our students are students that really want to—they're—they're—they're they're, they're pretty self-motivated. They want to do well. They get the college degree in two years because all of mm -hmm. our Limude Kodesh classes are, are counted. Mm -hmm. credits so there's no mm -hmm. electives uh and um and then they go into the workforce so just to clarify so howard always wanted torah in his company which is i mean just that in and of itself is a wonderful idea how many i mean i guess i've st certainly heard of jewish owned businesses that have minyanim um you know in their uh, company i'm not sure how many i know that have yeshivas there was the original idea to have just a pure yeshiva or was it always this idea of a blended yeshiva um college type of situation Always blended. Uh, Howard is, uh, you know, believes that the the guys should be, you know, he appreciates very much the Torah learning that goes on, but uh, in his vision, the idea is that they, we should be helping them, and it, you know, this is the biggest tzedakah of all, right? Giving people mm -hmm. the ability, not just not just giving them a fish, but the ability to catch a fish, right? So uh, that's always been his idea. I I love this because I mean, if we go back 19 years, that takes us now back to what 2001. Yes. Um, 
So, I mean, talk about a visionary. I think um, only in the last few years are people starting to realize, you know, some of the challenges that arise in parts of the firm world that we need to deal with. So, you know, to have started this 19 years ago is is pretty incredible. So, Kola Kavo to him for that. So, how how did this begin? Um, how how did recruit? When you say that some of the students would not go to a YU or Toro, do you mean to say that because that those would be choices too modern for them? Is that or sort of culturally too modern or perceived yeah. to be too modern? Okay. Um, so, how how did it begin? How how do you find your first crop of students? Like, is, can you take us through kind of how uh, the yeshiva launched? Sure. Well, we, I mean, we put out ads uh, in, you know, in all the in all the uh, papers and magazines and uh, started interviewing. Uh, it took us a few years to really find our footing and figure out, uh, you know, who who was the right type of student. And um, and one of the things it's interesting, you know, one of the things that I, I believe has kept us small over the years, which is a shame in a way. But it's is that is the fact that we are a very mixed group. I hmm. cannot see not accepting a student because they dress a certain way or don't dress a certain way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I cannot see that being a criteria for acceptance. My, uh, the criteria for acceptance are, uh, you know, young men who are willing to take it seriously, who want, uh, who are hungry and want, want to do this, even, you know, no matter what their current, uh, I, I'll just give you an example. I had a, a student three years ago who came in writing on a fifth grade level mm-hmm. And uh, he was uh, really, really determined to make it work. And I sat with him on a daily basis for the first six to nine months of his college career. Um, he couldn't even say most of what he was wanting to write in English. Mm-hmm. I understand Yiddish. I don't speak it well, but I understand it perfectly. So he would say it to me in Yiddish and I would help him translate it. And then I would send him back and you know, I'd make him do a second draft and a third draft. and. And eventually he got to the point where he was able to write his assignments on a college level on his own after about nine months. So, you know, we're looking for students who are determined, who are hungry. They want to do this. And uh, whether they wear a white shirt or a colored shirt or uh, you have long pays or don't have long pays, those uh, are not criteria for whether we accept them or not. One thing I will say, and I always tell tell me them this, is that what we don't want is that somebody should come in looking for our yeshiva as the, as the place where they're going to make radical changes in their lives. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I believe that radical changes at the age of, uh, most of our students are somewhere between the ages of 18 and 24. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that age, when you make radical changes on the basis of going to a new place, it's probably not coming from the healthiest place. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I uh, explained to them that on day one, uh, but at the same time, I've had students who have come to me by the end of the second year and had really serious conversations about whether they wanted to keep their Hasidic lavush, uh, you know, the, their way of dress or whether they yeah. wanted to change and what the reasons were. Uh, I uh, also get, get very involved in their in their lives to the extent that they want me to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went back five years, uh, six years ago already uh, and started a master's degree in clinical counseling. And um, I now have, I'm licensed in the state of New Jersey and have, uh, you know, and provide, I believe, a, a deeper level of uh, ability to assist students with dealing with, you know, deeper issues uh, on the basis of my experience in, in uh, providing uh, therapy for, for clients, which I do, uh, you know, on a voluntary basis, uh, on uh, not only voluntary basis, but um, I did, you know, as a, as a student and as a uh, 
as an intern on a voluntary basis and learned a lot about how to help people help themselves. And so I, there's a deeper level of what goes on in the yeshiva these days than, than what went on 19 years ago. I, I mean, we definitely see the mental health issues as, um, you know, at Project Malcolm Jew in the City, we're a religious organization, educational organization, but um, we totally get that, you know, um, different types of trauma and or mental health needs are part of the journey for most people. So um, we totally, totally hear you, totally understand all that. So you answer my other question that your average guy is coming in between um, 18 to 24. What kind of a reception have you gotten? What was the good? What was the bad? How How was something like this perceived? Well, um, a couple of summers ago, so we don't have a large enrollment. And um, whenever we tell people about this yeshiva, most people in the community say, well, why don't you have 100 guys? Why don't you have 150 guys? So how many do you have? We we have usually average of about 20. Okay. So um, uh, we decided one summer to embark on a campaign, and we called 125 um, either Russia yeshiva or principals of high schools or um, you know, we tried to identify 125 yeshivas and who were the main people there that we could speak to, to let them know about what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And what was fascinating about it is that there were about 10 or 12 who, who uh, gave us a very negative reception and thought that what we were doing is horrible and gave us, uh, you know, a mush Um But uh, the rest of them, about 115 or so, were very, very uh, receptive to the idea. They thought it was a fantastic idea. Every, you know, they all said that the, the community needs this. This is a great thing. And then towards the end of the conversation, when we mentioned that we'd be interested in coming to recruit or uh, whether they had any graduates that they could, uh, that they could send our way, uh, suddenly there was no one in their, in their own yeshiva that fit uh, <laughs> the bill. So uh, it, it's fascinating because clearly everybody recognizes that there's a need for yeshivas like this, but nobody wants to admit that it's coming from them. So this is a barrier, um, just as, as, you know, similarly, you, you mentioned mental health, you know, mental health issues are still a barrier uh, in, in many yeshivas. There are, it's more open now than it was 10 years ago, and mm-hmm. certainly way more open than it was 20 years ago. But like I always say that my goal, uh, if I could say to have a goal in terms of, in terms of therapy, my goal is to get uh, these, in some way, the Jewish community to reach the point where we actually listen to the Mishaberach we say on Shabbos for Cholim, where mm-hmm. we say, Rufuas Hanefesh Urufuas Aguf, and we make no distinction. So, my goal is that somebody should be able to walk up to the Bima and give the name of somebody who has Rufuas Hanefesh without any shame. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Beautiful. we're not so close to that. But um, uh, just to mention that, in, in any case, I, I'm a little off track with, with what your question was, but. Yeah, so our reception is uh, is pretty um, mixed and uh, definitely not like people are jumping to send us uh, students. Hmm. I mean, this is a ch- as we sort of think about like you know, from my position, you know, for so many years at Jew in the City, um, my thought was only to correct the media, only to push back at media bias, which there is so much of, and we don't get a fair shake and our negative stories, you know, are featured so much more than our positive ones. And we're also featured far too much for our tiny size. Um, On the other hand, um, when we give the media, um, you know, fuel um, for them to, um, 
you know, for their fodder, then it becomes kind of challenging. And so, so much of what I think about today is how do you move the needle? How do you start to change opinions? And look, I certainly hope that, you know, our little part now in, in getting your name out there more to our listeners and, you know, even maybe to some Project Mako members um, could be helpful as well. What about the graduates of Yeshiva, your Yeshiva, once they've come through, um, what type of reception? Meaning like, I guess two parts. Number one is the are the families or sort of communities trying to hold them back from joining because we certainly have you know experienced that, but a lot of Project Mako members have to come to us in secret. Um, and then number two, once they graduate, is there more of a positive reception if it started off negatively? Yeah. So I look for the most part, uh, the families of the students that come to us, uh, I I think are very courageous. And uh, they are families that are able to withstand the pressure and recognize that their child needs something a little bit different. Uh, and, uh, and sometimes it even works out, uh, you know, we, we once had a meeting with a bunch of Hasidic, um, there weren't any Rebbes there, but there, were, there was a couple of Dayanim and, uh, and big Rabbanim from the Hasidic community. And we brought along one of our uh, Hasidic Talmidim, who is a Satmar Hasid actually, and um, they asked him what he found most uh, interesting about the about the yeshiva, and he said that, uh, and they weren't too happy with his answer. He said that uh, he went there because he went to us because we had a college program in the afternoon. But mm-hmm. um, what he found was that the Limude Kodesh was actually more stimulating and more interesting to him than anything he had experienced in his uh, education to that point. Um, Baruch Hashem, we have some very good. Uh, Magide Shir, and uh, they get we we you know we are we're teaching on a on a on a higher level obviously than these kids experienced in high school so that that's part of the explanation but the other part of the explanation is that we teach everything we're not just teaching one specific way of thinking everything obviously within the pale of what's traditionally accepted um, there's nothing controversial about it but it's just there's a more open minded broader it's broader approach. broader approach yeah exactly mm-hmm. so most of the families uh, who have sent are extremely happy, thank God, and and are able to and and none of you know they don't have to leave their communities. Uh, we have had students who have chosen to leave their communities. Um, as I mentioned before, we try to help them with the process and that in, in a, that it should be in a healthy way, not in not in just a reactive way. It should mm-hmm. be um, in general in life when we react, we're generally not uh, coming from the healthiest place. Uh, it's response that uh, that is healthy. Totally. Could not agree more. Um, can you actually take us through a little bit of like what a sample day looks like schedule-wise in terms of Lamude Kodesh and Lamude Chol? Like what types of things um, would the students, would the Talmidim of Yeshiva uh, get to learn about and in what order? Sure. So do you do you want to know during COVID or, or before? Uh, okay, fine. Yeah. So I guess I guess for me, give give me uh, your your non-pandemic schedule because when I think to myself about what my organization is, I still like to think of the lachat chila of what what we are supposed to be, and um, and only think of the situation as uh, a temporary uh, distraction, doing our best in the meantime. But yeah, tell us in an ideal setting because, gosh, we got to get back there. <laughs> sure, a hundred percent. So uh, ideally, we we start uh, our first year of the day starts at nine thirty in the morning. Uh, there is davening at IDT. There's a minion there. It, uh, it's not mandatory for the Talmudim because they're coming from all different places. We don't have a dorm at this point. Uh, there have been some students who have had uh, apartments in Passaic, and uh, sometimes that's worked out better 
than others. But uh, for the most part, most of the Talmudim are commuting. So 9.30 is the first uh, shear, and uh, that's usually me, and that's either, it's usually Navi, uh, but it's really more Hashkafa than Navi, as Navi shearim often are. Um, and then we have um, Rabbi Duvi Weiss, who's an, an amazing Magad Shir, who gives a Halacha shear for 45 minutes, and then there's a break, and then he gives a Gemara shear for 45 minutes. We also have on our staff Rabbi Avram Kivalevich, who is uh, actually our Rosh Pace Medrash, and he is also the uh, main contributor and the curator of our podcast, uh, the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. And um, he actually puts up uh, at least two, sometimes even three podcasts a day, which are many of them are just his shiurim that we record. But uh, he also has many interesting conversations with people and so on. And so there's a, there's a lot of different things going on in the yeshiva and the guys are exposed to that as well. He gives also an amazing uh, shir klali once a week that uh, it's called the chuvas of poskim shir, where he, he picks very interesting uh, shilas and chuvas that were asked uh, throughout history and um, usually connects them either to something that's going on, uh, either whether it has to do with a Yom Tov that's going on or something even politically that's going on in the world. He'll come up with very interesting um, shilas and chuvas and, and teach that. And that he offers actually to the whole company. And so that's blended between the yeshiva and the company. Um, and then uh, in the afternoon, um, you know, we usually between one and two, there's a bit of a break for lunch and so on, doing homework. And then from two to five, sometimes six, uh, the guys are doing uh, classes in cybersecurity, uh, two classes, uh, um, you know, a, a day, that, you know, Monday and uh, Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday, different classes sometimes. Depends on the semester, but, uh, you know, they're learning all sorts of IT things and cybersecurity things. Um, I give you the names of the, of the courses, but uh, that it's only helpful if you actually know much about cybersecurity. Um, I want to mention, though, that Howard, you mentioned he's a visionary. Uh, Howard actually just... Uh, um, uh, assigned us to open a new program, and we're going to be opening it in September, which is going not going to be a college degree program, and uh, might actually be of, of interest to a lot of uh, people from the Hasidic community, but from other communities as well. It's going to be an HVAC program, and uh, so we're doing the Lumure Kodesh uh, in the morning. In the afternoon, there's going to be a workshop uh, set up with uh, HVAC equipment, and there's going to be courses in HVAC, and then eventually we're going to send them out in the field with, uh, you know, we've already are in the process of recruiting HVAC from HVAC companies that will offer, um, you know, internships or uh, at least the ability to go out on, on, on the job to see how these things work in the real world. And that's still in development, but by September, we're gonna, we hope to have a small cohort of at least 10 students uh, that will start that, uh, the HVAC program. It's really like, uh, you know, economic security and having the means to take care of yourself. I mean, the Gemara says that if you don't teach your son a trade, you'll teach him to be a thief. And I think along the lines of Chil Hashem that we see, um, you know, the Chazal really knew what they were talking about. So it doesn't have to be college. It doesn't have to be what everyone does. But um, yeah, providing for, um, you know, people in the community to be able to make an honest living, have the training to do that is really is so tremendous. You know, as you're talking, I'm just wondering, just as an aside, um, for these 115 rabbis that said yes privately and the 15 that said no, so they're clearly the ones that are into it are in the majority, but they see themselves as the das yachet, you know, the, the crazy rebel. I wonder if there could be something, I don't know, to organize a letter where they could all come out together 
and put their names, you know, side by side with the rest of them and see that they're not alone, that there's actually a plurality of, of rabbis um, of, you know, Rosh Yeshiva that agree that this, this is okay. This is Torah. So um, those are, those are just some thoughts that I'm, uh, that I'm having now. Um, how would our listeners find out more about the yeshiva? Like when, you know, when could they enroll? Like kind of how do the semesters work? Where can they follow up for more information and, and apply? So uh, we have a website. The website is yeshivaofnewark.org. So Y-E-S-H-I-V-A-O-F-N-E-W-A-R-K.org, Yeshiva of Newark. And um, we're going to be accepting applications for next September, uh, probably starting right around Pesach time. Um, and so right now there's a lot of information on the website, but we don't have the HVAC program up. Uh, and uh, so it needs to be updated and will be. That's what we're going to be working on. Aside from putting the program together, as you know, you have to have a program, yes. but you also have to have a social media side to it. So we're going to be working on that as well over the next few months. Um, but uh, you, you've had, this is a, an exclusive because uh, you, this is the first public place that I've, that I've spoken about the HVAC program. So you can, you can uh, list it as a, as a win. Exclusive uh, from uh, the Yeshiva in Newark. Um, and what about if someone's English is not so great for this also? Is this any part? You mentioned that you worked with this um, student to write this essay. Is there anything you have like in terms of English as a second language or you're just working with people one-on-one? -on -one? Like, is there any sort of prerequisite to, to join either program? The prerequisite is drive. Uh, motive <laughs> and drive. Um, I, I work one-on-one, -on -one, but we also have, uh, so for example, our college program that we work with um, has uh, tutoring available. It's online, but it's, uh, it, it can be quite good. Um, you know, I, I've, uh, I'm, pa I'm a passionate believer in um, education as far as the ability to, particularly in the areas of communication. I think that um, that is something that uh, cuts across all boundaries. And as you know, communication is is in today's world particularly is, is, is key. So uh, if somebody's gonna be an HVAC person or a cybersecurity person, they need to be able to have a LinkedIn profile. They need to be able to uh, make posts that, that make sense in English. And they need to be able to uh, do some public presentation. Every single student that comes to the yeshiva takes a public speaking, public communication course, uh, whether or not they're gonna get a college uh, degree. Um, and uh, I give that course. Uh, and I, uh, I make them work hard. I make them prepare everything from um, PowerPoint presentations that they might be giving in a corporate environment to um, a, a Dvar Torah that they might be giving at a Shavar Brachas. Uh, I, I, you know, I give them all different types of assignments and um, can't say that each and every one of them walks out a great speaker, but each and every one of them walks out a better speaker than they were when they came in. Beautiful. So now that you have a second program that's, you know, coming down the pike, let's say the person has really not had any experience with HVAC or computers or secular studies so much, how do they know which one to, to uh, join? Well, that's an interesting question. I think a lot of that will have to do with, you know, what their interests are. Um, I can also direct people, you know, once people start calling up and asking about it, uh, when that question comes up, I'll be able to direct them to resources on on, on the web that will allow them to get a feel for what each each is and maybe I'll even include those on the website we'll see how that how that uh, turns out but I think you know cybersecurity is a, a, a job that uh, really requires that you sit a lot at a keyboard in front of a screen and are inside indoors and um, uh, use, using a lot of um, you know intellectual faculty and 
uh, you know, trying to figure out what the what the crook's next move might be, right? The cyber crook's next move. Uh, whereas HVAC is uh, mostly, you know, in outdoors on on construction sites and in buildings and, you know, getting out and going to different places. So I think that, um, you know, it'll be partly personality and partly interest. Okay. But the two programs are certainly um, diverse enough that uh, I think most students, will, you know, time will tell, but I think most students will have a, a, a pretty good inner feeling about what they might be more attracted to. Awesome. And can you give us a website for people to look up? So again, I, I said yeshivaofnewark.org. Okay, excellent. All right. Well, we um, we so appreciate your time. We so appreciate, I mean, this is really um, a service to the community to, you know, have this option out there. And I think, you know, even if it's a, a small number each year, I think it's slowly normalizing this idea that, you know, it's not a problem. And I would say even those conversations that you have with those Roche Yeshiva, again, just sort of putting this idea out there. So um, we are so grateful for your, you know, putting uh, something good into the community where where there does exist a real challenge. Um, and we wish you continued Hatzlacha with the cybersecurity program and the new HVAC program as well. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much. And thank you for listening. You can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.